Alright, let's take out our Bibles. We're going to take out our Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 20. We're going to continue to work our way through the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to read to you just uh, one of the commandments. So in chapter 20, on verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord has made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We've touched on the Sabbath a little bit here and there, but I found myself looking into today and thinking, why spend that much time on something that that we seemingly don't have a lot to do with. Sometimes somebody will pray and say, God, thank you for this Sabbath. But this isn't the Sabbath. This is, this is Sunday, not Saturday. And uh, Sabbath was the last day of the week. And, and so when you look around at our culture as a whole, and the church culture, do we even deal with this? But I would answer emphatically that we do. And if we're not, we should be. But the way that we deal with it, I think is very different from how Israel dealt with it in the past, and for good reason. But as we consider that this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're we're back in the Ten Commandments, and the, the command that we're dealing with today is the command of remembering the Sabbath. In this command, I see hope. You see, most of the commands that you read through, they come across uh, rather negatively, although you could you could rephrase them in a positive way, but God didn't do that. Other than, remember the Sabbath, Honor your father and mother. Other than that, there are a lot of thou shalt nots, right? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And so there's a lot of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But in the middle of all that, we have this, this Sabbath. And it's the one command that looks like it's, it's different than all the others. If you look at the whole law that God gave Moses, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of it, there's obviously a difference in the commands. Some are ceremonial, and they point to Christ. Some are civil, and they were made for protecting Israel. Some were moral in nature. They're just wrong because they're wrong. But you know what? This, this one kind of touches all of them. There's definitely a ceremonial aspect because as we're going to see as we work our way through this, it points to Christ very clearly. But there's also a civil aspect to it because God was giving it uniquely to Israel as something that would distinguish them from all the other peoples around them. Kind of like their dietary laws did and and their clothing laws and some of those things. But then there's also a moral aspect with it because it's tied directly to our relationship of God with God. And just as we do not use His name in vain, we also set Him apart as holy. And so there's a moral aspect to this idea of Sabbath as well. Right in the middle of this, most of the commands, what do you read? You, you read that, oh, did that, oh, done that, oh, done that. Right? Especially if you take the heightened look at it like Christ did. He says, even if you're angry, you're guilty of murder in your heart. Even if you've lusted, you're guilty of adultery in your heart. And they just show our guilt. But you know what the Sabbath points to? It's taken care of. The Sabbath points to Christ taking care of our sin. So there's about three different things that I want to consider here with the Sabbath as we look through this passage. And we'll kind of flip around to some other passages as well. The first one is the elements of the Sabbath. What all exactly did God command? What is involved in observing the Sabbath? Well, the first thing that we see is rest. Rest. Because He tells them, you shall not work. 
Now we've already seen a little bit of this earlier in the book of Exodus. Because remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness, and they're still in the wilderness. But when He brought them out, He fed them in a miraculous way. Remember the manna that He had show up on the ground? And God told them, six days of the week, just take what you need every day. God was teaching them to depend on Him on a daily basis. That's kind of what the Sabbath does too, when you think about it. Because He says you're going to take a day off and you're still going to be okay. You're still going to be able to support yourself. But He gave them that bread every day. And then He said on the sixth day, pick up enough food for two days. You pick up enough for two food for two days, and then miraculously, the food that they picked up for two days lasted two days. It wouldn't last two days if you picked it up any other day, but that day it would work, and it lasted two days so that they didn't have to go out and gather it on the Sabbath day. So God was already had them following a Sabbath. The whole point is that they were supposed to rest. They're not supposed to work. You know, I think that's, that's why Jesus said, when He dealt with the issue of the Sabbath, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's a day of rest. God's giving you a day off. Take it. We are supposed to be active. We are supposed to be engaged in doing things the other six days of the, of the week. But He says, here's a day off. You're going to rest. Relax. And so that's one element of the Sabbath. Now, obviously, there's another one as well. And He says that we're supposed to keep it holy. So not only do we rest on the Sabbath day, but we worship. We worship on the Sabbath day as well. God says the Sabbath day is to be a a holy day unto you. It's to be set apart for worshiping God. And so that's what Israel has done down through the ages. That We continue to do that aspect of it. We continue to set apart a day, at least a day, in the week where we gather together and we worship God. He wants that on a regular basis. Worship. And then lastly, there's, there's one more element that's within this passage, and that is equity. It doesn't matter who you are. He goes through and explains those relationships. He says, look, I don't care if you're the master or a servant. You both take the day off. I don't care if you're somebody that's a citizen or a foreigner that's in the land. You both take the day off. I don't care if somebody's just visiting from out of town. They get the day off. Man or woman, they get the day off. It does not matter. And so he just kind of focuses on some of those relationships within society and says, look, whether you're, whether you're on the upper echelon or the poverty scale, you get the day off. Everybody's getting the day off. You know what? That's an awesome thing when you think about it. The ground is always level at the foot of the cross. There really isn't anybody that has a leg up there. There is equity in this. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, one of the shows that I've seen quite a bit is, is a show called Downton Abbey. It's uh, in, in England, and it's back during the time when there were still lords and ladies and all the ritual stuff that went on with that. And, and then, of course, there's the servants that are in the house also, the people that are preparing their food and serving their food and, and dressing them when they get up in the morning. And you have the people that are enjoying being waited on hand and foot and the people that are waiting on them hand and foot. And in that show, you get to kind of watch all the lives unfold as they go through there. There's one point in the series where uh, there's kind of a newcomer in the household and he is a wealthy individual, but he didn't inherit his wealth like the rest of them did. He, he made it through the newspaper business. And at one point he's gathered with the family for Christmas and he says, how come we have to serve ourselves? And they said, well, it's the, it's the one day a year that we feel like let them have a day. And he's like, it's not going to be that way in my house. 
there was such a break, a division among the people. These are the haves and these are the have-nots. And there was such a division in everything. And for one day of the year, it didn't matter whether you were the have or the have-not. You all got to celebrate Christmas. Well, that's what God's doing here. He says, look, I don't care who you are. There's equity in the relationship with me and in celebrating the Sabbath day together. So that's to be part of our experience. Well, not only do we have the elements of the Sabbath, but then let's recognize the importance of the Sabbath. For some reason, this institution is hugely important within the Bible. The importance of the Sabbath is seen in many different ways. First of all, it made the top ten. Right? God gave a lot of laws to the nation of Israel, but He also gave Moses the, the top ten, the, the, the ten commandments that He brought down off the mountain to start with, and then He began to add to those things. This interesting day, this holiday, weekly holiday that they would have, it makes the top ten. It's right in the Ten Commandments. Not only that, but we also see that it was punishable by death. If we look at Exodus chapter 31, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from my among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. He makes no bones about it. He repeats it until three different times in a couple different ways. They'll be put to death. They'll be cut off from among their people. They'll be put to death. This is obviously, for one reason or another, very important in God's mind and ought to be in theirs. And then also, uh, it was a symbol of the covenant. Notice what he said. Above all, he puts it way up at the top. Above all, you'll keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. So this is another one of those things. We've talked about those in the past. How when God makes a covenant with somebody, it also includes a sign. Remember when God made the covenant with Noah. It's never going to flood the world again to destroy it in that way. He gave him the sign of the rainbow. He gave, made a covenant with Abraham. Gives him the sign of circumcision. And then now he's, he's making another covenant, the covenant of the law. And he says this is the sign of the covenant. And the sign is the Sabbath. Why do we do this? Because God made a covenant with His people. It is the Sabbath. And so it's a sign of the covenant that God was entering into with these people. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath through all their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. And it's kind of like, as we've talked about before, our wedding rings. Our wedding ring is a sign of the covenant. And that's what God is doing here. The wedding ring for the Jewish people had been circumcision. Now it's going to continue to be circumcision and the Sabbath. And then as we go on from there, not only was it that, but it's also based in creation. Why do we get a day off? It's because we're entering into God's rest. He took a day off. God created the whole world in six days. So if you can't get whatever you got to do done in six days, take a rest anyway. <laughs> All right? God created the whole world in six days and He rested on the seventh. We get to enter into that rest with Him and rest on our seventh day. 
And so it's based and rooted in creation. Also, it formed Israel's captivity. Here's what I mean by that. Israel was given these commands and they enter into this covenant of the law where they are supposed to be keeping the Sabbath and they're not supposed to be committing idolatry, which we talked about last week. There's a whole host of things that they're supposed to be doing. Right at the top of the things that Israel was lousy at, one, they fell into idolatry over and over again. They also violated the Sabbath over and over again. And then they intermarried over and over again, which they were commanded not to do as well. And so, when you look down through Israel's history, what happens is, Israel ends up getting carried off into captivity. And that's what I'm referring to here. Israel had lots of different Sabbaths. They had a weekly Sabbath that they were to do, and that's the one we usually think about. They had a yearly Sabbath. For six years, you'd harvest the crops off that land, and then you'd give it one year of rest. And then you'd harvest the crops off it again for six more years and then give it one year of rest. And so that was an annual Sabbath. And then they also had like the Jubilee where every 50 years, everything went free. The land went back to its original owners. The slaves got turned free or servants got turned free. That kind of stuff. And so there was these different Sabbaths that were involved. Well, Israel stopped keeping the annual Sabbaths. They didn't let the land rest. And when you count up the the years that they didn't let it rest, plus the jubilees that would have been thrown in the mix, it comes to 70 Sabbaths that they had skipped. And so what God did was when He had them carried off into captivity in Babylon, you know how long they were in Babylon? 70 years. And in Second Chronicles chapter 36, it says, He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword. So in other words, Babylon came in and ransacked the place and they killed a whole bunch of people. But those who escaped, they got carried off into Babylon. They became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. And then in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 and 11, it says, For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And I know that the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So that's a very common verse, just often not recognizing the context. God says, i got great plans for you, but they're 70 years down the road. And you know why they're 70 years down the road? Because you've been violating my Sabbaths. And so the point is, God sent Jeremiah to them and says, look, you've skipped 70 Sabbaths. This is the sign of our relationship. This is the symbol of our covenant, and you've skipped it for 70 times, which means it covers like 490 years. Actually, about 390 and then a bunch of jubilees thrown in there. But he says, you've skipped all that. He says, so here's the deal. You're getting carried off into captivity, and you know how long you're going to be gone? Seventy years. The land is going to get that break, the Sabbath. Remember, you know, if we look back in the institution of the Sabbath, God said, it's for everybody. But if we read a little deeper, we find it was even for the animals. It was even for the land. In Israel, it was for all of it. And God says, you people worked your way through so many Sabbaths on those on that land, you never gave it a break, and it's going to get the rest that I want it to have. And that's exactly why, 70 years later, or close to it, Daniel's reading, and he reads through Jeremiah, and he sees, oh yeah, 
This captivity is supposed to last 70 years. Let's get ready to go home because it's just about over. And so he could bank on it that way because the Word of God is faithful. The Sabbath was so important that God said it set the perimeters for the captivity of Israel. They were hauled off into captivity and the time span was specifically because that's how many Sabbaths they had violated. So the point is, the Sabbath day is a very important it made the top ten. It's punishable by death. It uh, it set the parameters of their of their captivity. It's, it was the sign of their covenant relationship with God. It's a hugely important thing. And probably you're sitting there right now saying, okay, then why are we sitting here today and why weren't we here yesterday? Maybe we better get this ironed out before life gets worse. But there's a reason. And that's what we want to talk about now, which is the application of the Sabbath. Because, you know, when you look at the Sabbath, it's It's unique. When we look at this command of the Ten Commandments, it's the only commandment that's not reiterated in the New Testament. In the New Testament era, the early church began very quickly, started to meet on the first day of the week, instead of the last day of the week. Now, the Apostle Paul was still going in on the Sabbath to synagogues and stuff like that, and teaching and trying to show them that this is the Christ, but the church met on the first day of the week. Well, you can also see that they met every day of the week, part of the time. But... First day of the week became prominent for them. We see it in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and verse 2, it says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And so he's just writing to the churches here, and he's collecting an offering to help the the saints, the believers back in Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem they were being persecuted. And so some people were losing their jobs and their possessions and their properties and things like that. And so the Apostle Paul, as he went around starting churches and stuff, he also collected an offering to take back to help support the the believers back in, in that troubled area. Well, as he does it, he tells them, look, as you do all the time, as you always gather together on the first day of the week, bring your offering in and start storing it up so that it's ready to be dispersed to those people. And so we see pretty clearly that the church started meeting on the first day of the week rather than on the seventh day of the week. Well, why is that? Well, we meet on the first day of the week because it's a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the focus has changed a little bit. It also is a command that wasn't specifically given to the church. It was given to Israel. In fact, back in the passage in Exodus chapter 31, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel. In verse 16, it says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. And in verse 17, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. And so it was very specifically given as that covenant sign to be observed by the children of Israel as a sign of God's relationship with the children of Israel. The New Testament church begins, and they say, what do we do with all these Gentile converts? And you know, he doesn't tell them to start making them go to church on Saturday or follow the Sabbath. They start gathering together on the first day of the week and celebrating the resurrection. There's a change that takes place. There's some uniqueness with that commandment. Then also, it is fulfilled in Christ. You see, the Sabbath points to our relationship with God and our forgiveness of sin. And how does that happen? It does not happen through work. It actually happens through rest. 
It happens through faith is what it happens through. But that's the point. Christ accomplished the work on the cross and we rest in that. We, we trust in that. Our salvation takes place actually not through work, but through rest. In Colossians it tells us, in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He tells us, look, the Sabbath was one more of those things, just like the sacrifices. The sacrifices stopped. Why? Because the ultimate sacrifice happened. These were little pictures of the bigger sacrifice of Christ. And so when that one happened, we didn't need these ones anymore. The Sabbath is a picture of our relationship with with God, the rest from our labors, the rest from our works that we have in Christ. It was a symbol. It was a shadow of the reality that we find within Christ. It was just one more way that the Bible and the Old Testament clearly points to the salvation that was coming in Jesus Christ. He says, don't let anybody judge you in this because the reality is Christ. That was just a picture, a copy of Him. Hebrews also focuses on it. We don't have time to go through the whole passage, but it's basically a lengthy lengthy passage where the, the author of the book, Hebrews, is telling the people that, look, the people that were with Moses in the wilderness, that generation was not allowed to enter God's rest. Why weren't they allowed to enter God's rest? Because they didn't trust. They didn't believe. And he's using that for a reason. Because the people that he's writing to are people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. But they're getting persecuted and they're confused and they're tempted to draw back, to go back to the old sacrificial system, to go back to their old ways. And he's writing to them and saying, you can't do that. You know those people that would have wanted, that wanted to go back to Egypt in the wilderness? They died in the wilderness. They were not allowed to enter God's rest, the promised land. They weren't allowed to enter that rest. And he's telling them, the same thing is with you. If you don't continue to trust Christ in this, you're not going to enter His rest. And then he brings the Sabbath into it because the Sabbath is about rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8-10, through it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see the point that he's making there? He's saying, look, Christ is the end of the works. It's the end of the the judgment of the law upon you. It is a time where you can really rest. You know what? A little bit later, he's going to tell the people, if you still feel the burden of sin upon yourself after trusting in Christ, then you're missing the point. Because you should be able to now have a clear conscience that sins you should no longer feel it on your back. You can actually rest because it's gone. And so the Sabbath is a beautiful picture for us of the rest that we get because of the work that Christ did on that cross. Also, we see it is an area of liberty. Now, what do I mean by that? There are certain things in the Bible that God tells you don't do them and, and do, do some things, do other things, and, and they're, just, they're just commands like most of the rest of these commandments. In fact, like this commandment was for the nation of Israel. It wasn't a matter of individual liberty. Oh, I'll do it if I want to. You, you can do it if you want to. I, I won't. You know, it wasn't just a up for personal choice. 
It was a, this is law, not liberty. You do it. Well, when we get into the church, the apostles had to deal time to time with different areas that people were confused about. What about meat that has been offered up to idols and then sold in the meat market? Can we eat it or not eat it? Some people had a really hard problem with it. Nah, you can't eat that stuff. It was offered to an idol. Other people were like, hey, I didn't offer it to an idol. I didn't go to their service. It's just, it's just a piece of meat I bought in the meat market. What's the big deal? The Apostle Paul said, you know what? Some of you, you can't eat it in faith. So then don't eat it. Other of you can eat it in faith. Go ahead. It's, it's an area of liberty. Some, some people are going to do it. Other people are not going to do it. It's okay. That's what we find with this idea of the Sabbath. Colossians chapter 2, he starts off with, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. He's not telling them to can we keep a Sabbath. And he's not telling them not to keep a Sabbath. He's just telling them, look, the Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ. It pointed us to Christ. That's the reality. Now, whichever of those helps you, then do it. It's to be an area of liberty within that relationship. And that's important because, you know, we have a tendency to make law out of things that are really liberty. And we tend to find ways of trying to make ourselves feel a little bit better, a little closer to God because we're doing this rather than that. And you know what? If we do that, we're missing the whole point. It's about what He accomplished on our behalf and we get to just rest in it. It's not about what we achieve as we stand before Him. But we have a tendency to do just that. A little bit later in the same passage, we find this. It says, If with Christ you died to the eternal spirits of the world, or elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish uh, as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in prompting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. We have a tendency to make kind of a man-made religion and have all these do's and don'ts. If we just do this, do this, do this, do this, then we're good. And he says it has an appearance. It has a kind of a wisdom to it, it looks like. But, but it's not. It doesn't give us the power over flesh. The point is, we're supposed to go deeper with this, and we'll, we'll kind of finish that up with this last point. And the last one is, it is a creation principle. And so I, I think we need to be very careful here. Because even though it was given to Israel, it was based on creation. And you know what? We were made in the same way that all Jewish people are made. We were made for a week that is six days of work and a day off. We get some rest. And so I think there's actually a creation principle built in here with this. That even though we're not the nation of Israel, and we're going to gather on the first day of the month, and it's not exactly the same thing anymore. It's just focused on celebrating the resurrection of Christ. There still is this principle that, you know what, you need a day of rest after six days. And if you don't get a day of rest, then you're kind of violating the owner's manual on yourself. I remember years ago, Dave Trapp told me about a country that decided to get away from a seven-day work week. They're going to go with a ten-day week. And it didn't work. Why? We're not built for a ten-day work week. We're built for a seven-day work week. It's just right into the core of who we are. And that's why God gave it to us, the one who made us. And so I think a balanced look at the Sabbath, I think we've got to understand all of these things. That we're still called to worship and gather. And we have a 
principle, a, a creation principle built, built right into us. We're not going to rest on the seventh day of the week. Maybe we'll rest on the first day of the week. But the Sabbath is really about what Christ did for us, not what we're doing for Him. But you know what? In all these things, and this is what I want to leave you with, this should lead us not to a lesser uh, idea of Sabbath. It should lead us to a greater one. Just like Jesus did, if you look back in Matthew chapter 5, and He took, Thou shalt not murder, and He said, Don't even get angry with somebody without a cause. Just as He took adultery and says, It's not just about adultery, it's about lust. Every command became deeper as Jesus took it into this area of grace. Our understanding of the Sabbath should do the same thing. We're not recognizing a lesser Sabbath. We're recognizing a greater one. That our rest is actually already in the past accomplished by Christ. And if that doesn't draw us to a place where our heart enjoys the, a deep fellowship in that rest, in that experience, recognizing that it's completely through Christ, then we are missing the boat. So Sabbath is not some weird thing that the Jewish people used to do and we have nothing to do with it. We get the fulfilled version.